David Fisk. I'm one of the assistant pastors here at In Town. Glad that you're here worshiping with us this morning. Uh, if you're looking for Jimmy Agin, he is in Israel. And it's the Sunday after a holiday, which means you're going to get an assistant pastor preaching. You know, like, that's just, that's how it goes. Uh, like a lot of you, I spent time with my family this week, and I was with my brothers, and we were looking at movies. Like, let's go see a movie. We were looking at them, and we saw some different uh, options, and I saw that there was a couple of them, you know, you could go see in 3D. And you get the glasses, and you see the 3D movie, and I thought, when was the last time I saw a 3D movie? Oh, that was uh, Harry Potter 7B. It's been a while. Uh, but I remember going, my wife and I went, and we saw Harry Potter, and we're watching it, and, you know, we have the glasses on, and I like to live dangerously, so I took the glasses off to watch the movie for a little while. You know, I mean, you take the glasses off, and everything is pixelated, and it's, it's blurry, and it doesn't look right. Everything's out of focus, and you just kind of get this misshapen view of the story. You get this misshapen view of, of Harry Potter, the characters. And we're continuing our, our series through different books of the Bible, and this morning we're going to look at 2 Corinthians. In 2 Corinthians, Paul is addressing this very problem. The, Corinth, the Corinthians have this misshapen view of Jesus, and because of that, they have a misshapen view of the Christian life. And so he's giving them uh, this total view of Jesus and this total view of the Christian life, and he's going to do it through this two-beat rhythm where there's two parts to it, and they have to go together. So I want you, as Stacy reads, I want you to listen for this two-part rhythm of the Christian life, okay? Thank you, Stacy. So our scripture is from Paul's second letter to the Corinthians, chapter 4, verses 7 through 12. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. The word of the Lord. Thank you, Stacey. This is a reading of God's word. Let's pray and ask him to bless the preaching of it. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have given us your word, that you have revealed yourself to us in it, that you want us to know more about you and also more about ourselves and how we might have life through Jesus. And Lord, we pray that your Holy Spirit would be here among, among us this morning, that uh, the meditations of our hearts and the thoughts in our minds and the words of my mouth will be glorifying to you, would make much of Jesus, that you would encourage us. Some of us need to be comforted. Some of us need to have more hope. Some of us need to be challenged. Some of us need to see the power of the gospel. Lord, you know that we're all over the place, and yet you're a good God who loves us. 
and he cares. And so we pray that you would bless us now as we look at your word and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so how do we get this total view of Jesus? How do we get not a misshapen view of Jesus, but a proper view of Jesus? Well, look how the passage describes uh, Jesus and the gospel starting out. It says what in verse 7? That it is a treasure. See, in verse 7 it says, it is a tre- we have this treasure in jars of clay. So you have this treasure. And you might go, well, what does that mean? Like what? I don't know what that abstract idea means. Be more specific. Well, in the verse before it, it gets more specific. I didn't include that one so that you would have to pay attention. It says it in verse 6. In verse 6, it's talking about the content of the gospel, and it describes it this way. The knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. The knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. This is the content of the gospel. He's saying God's glory is represented in Jesus. It's represented in Jesus, the Savior of Christianity. So how do we get this total view? Well, what I want us to see is how Paul has this two-beat rhythm. And these two things that go, to get, go together have to say together. Okay, You can't separate them. It's like peanut butter and jelly. It's like Atlanta and traffic. It's like Jay-Z and Beyonce. Right? It's like Trump and Twitter. It's like all these things. right? Like they, they go together. You can't separate them. Okay? All right, so what's the first beat? No, we're just going to keep going. <laughs> What's the first beat, okay? Of this two-beat two rhythm, what's the first beat? The first beat we see is that it's down. We see that it's down. We see that it's death, suffering, and weakness. You might say, well, where do you see that? Well, in verse 7, it starts out, you have this treasure in jars of clay. Jars of clay was a first-century metaphor for humanity, so when he's saying, you have this treasure in jars of clay, he's saying, you have this treasure as a human being, but you know that your body is fragile. You know that these jars of clay in this old time, they were easily broken. They were um, not worth much. They were pretty common. If you want to think about, well, what, what would the equivalent be today? It'd be like a Kroger plastic bag. You know, like, no one ever comes home and goes, how was your day? And you go, I lost a Kroger plastic bag. Like, like, no, you have, like, 15 more in the the pantry, you know? Like, these are just really common. They're not worth very much. Um, Because anything of value, if it was important, it would have been held in a jar of stone or a jar of gold. So he's starting out saying, uh, humanity is this jar of clay. It's actually weak and a bit fragile. He also talks about kind of the downbeat in these but not statements, verses 8 and 9. What does he say here? Verse verse 8, he says, you're afflicted, meaning like you're hard-pressed. He says, verse 8, you're perplexed, like you're at a loss, like I can't figure this out. What's going on? I'm at a loss. Verse 9, he says, you're persecuted. Another way to translate that is you're assaulted. Paul would have been very familiar with this being assaulted many times. Verse 9, he also says, you are struck down. It's almost like you're stricken with something. You are struck down. And what he's doing is he's listing kind of trials here. And he's saying, this is what you're going to experience. And as he goes through the list, they get worse. 
And so he's saying, you know, the Christian life, it involves suffering. It involves trials. It involves difficulty. That's the way that it is. That's the downward beat of this part of the rhythm. Third thing you see about it is you see death. You see it a lot in verse 10. It says, we're always carrying in the body the death of Jesus. Verse 11, for we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake. Verse 12, so death is at work in us. Paul is saying all these things that are associated with death, all these things that are part of this downward beat that are described in verses 8 and 9, we're carrying in our fragile bodies. He's saying um, all these things are going to be difficult. All these things are going to lead to death. And you might be going, um, hey, Eeyore, can you get a little happier? Like, why are you focusing so much on the negative? Like, let's be happy. Come on. I love that he's doing this because he's saying, this is a reality for you. As a Christian, as a human being, whether you're a Christian or not, you are going to experience difficulty. You are going to experience trials. You are going to experience weakness. And that's a reality in your world. It's where we live. And you see, I don't know if you remember last week, Jimmy talked about how in 1 Corinthians, Paul is talking to these people who've been affected by this thing called sophism. And it was kind of a combination of philosophy and and law, kind of law school stuff. And these guys would have come out and they would have given these eloquent speeches and they would have had their hair perfect and their clothes were amazing and impressive and expensive. And they would have, they would have been guys who kind of portrayed themselves as people who have it all together. And some of these men had made their way into the Corinthian church and were now becoming leaders in the Corinthian church that Paul had planted and started. And so he's concerned about that. And at one point, they call themselves, you can read it in chapter 14 of 2 Corinthians, at one point, they call themselves the super apostles. The super apostles. And what they would have said, they would have said, yeah, death and suffering, like that, yeah, that's part of the Christian life. But it doesn't have to be. Right? Like they would have given lip service to suffering, but they would have lived out and treated people differently. They would have actually looked down on you and been condescending if you were suffering. And so they would have said things like, why would you want to follow Paul? All he does is talk about suffering. He talks about death all the time. Like, hello, Debbie Downer, why would you want to follow him? I don't want to follow him. Follow us and you can skip the downbeat. And here's the thing, I, I feel like I don't have to convince you that death and suffering and weakness are real. In conversations with you, in sharing meals with you or having coffee, or reading your connection cards when you submit your prayer requests, I know that you know that the world is a very difficult place. And that many of you are hurting. And I would say everyone in this room has that in common. Everyone everyone in this room on some level is hurting. I mean, I talk to you guys about things like chronic pain. Your kids having to go through terrible things. 
You know, like health issues where like your children have to have another surgery. We're talking about, you know, what do I do with my, my aging parents? Or what do I do with my parent that just died? Or how do I deal with this person that has betrayed me? How do I deal with anxiety and fear? I'm just riddled with this. How do I deal with the abuse that I have felt from others? How do I deal with being mistreated again and again and again? And when I hear those things, it's, sometimes it's kind of overwhelming. Or look at my own life and go, man, this is overwhelming. This is too much. This downward beat of the Christian life is so sad. It's so hard. It's easy to lose heart. It's easy to fall into despair. It's easy to get discouraged and to feel, feel like your tears and your pain are never going to end. It's almost like in the Christian life, like this downward beat, it's too much. I can't do it. I can't handle it. I'm too tired. I'm too worn out. I'm too cynical. It's made me into an Eeyore who's cynical. And I'm sad. And I'm hurting. But there's a second beat. There's a second beat to Paul's rhythm. There's a second beat to this Christian rhythm. What's the second beat? You see, it's, you know, if the first one's down, the second one's up. Okay? The second one's up. And it's talking about this idea of life and endurance and power. And you see this here in verse 7 where it says, We have this treasure in jars of clay. Why? To show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not us. It's showing us that the enabling power of God doesn't belong to us. It doesn't belong to the jar. It is what's inside the jar. It's showing us that the power comes from within, not from the outer shell. It doesn't come from us. It comes from him. And there's always divine purpose in it. And these super apostles were regularly claiming, Paul doesn't have very much power. We have the power. Let me show you how to live life where you can have your best life now. Um, I might have heard that somewhere. Um, <laughs> you know, they would have said, look at him. He, he, doesn't, he doesn't understand the gospel. Like, look at him. He's been arrested a bunch of times. He gets in trouble. Look at He walks with a limp because he's been beaten so much. Like, look at the scars on his back where he's been flogged. Don't follow him. Follow us. Come on. Get it together, and I can teach you how to be like me. This is what the Corinthian church is up against. And this is what Paul is combating. He's saying, look, the power is not about the person. The power is coming from God. The power comes from God and the glory that he gives you. So you see this upward trajectory, this upward beat has power, but you also see it has endurance. Let's look again at the but not, verses 8 and 9. It says, we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Right, thirsty, but not dead. Right. Um, we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Okay, He's saying, look, you're hard-pressed, but you're not crushed. You're at a loss, but you're not totally lost. Okay, 
You're assaulted, but you're not abandoned. You're stricken, but you're not perishing. Like the downward beat is real. Like the struggle bus is real, you know? But the upward trajectory is is real as well. God's power and his power to endure is real as well. And so this upward beat is part of this two-beat rhythm of the Christian life. And you see, you see where he talks about life, kind of the third, third aspect of this is him talking about life. And you see it in verses 10, 11, and 12. He says, so that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our bodies. Verse 11, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. In verse 12, but life in you. He's saying, look, I want to I validate life is hard. But I want you to see that the Christian life also can bring you endurance. And it can bring you life. Not just now, but eternally. Forever. And these super apostles would have been saying, yeah, that's what life's about. Just this upward trajectory. Forget about the first part. Let's just focus on the second part, okay? And so let's talk about life and let's talk about power and let's talk about resurrection. That's the, that's the good stuff. And their view of Jesus would have been badly misshapen because they would have just ignored his death and his resurrection, I mean, his death and his crucifixion and his suffering and his weakness, and only said, let's just talk about the happy parts. Let's just pretend that the Christian life is like the Lego movie song. Everything is awesome, right? Everything is awesome. Let's just pretend the Christian life is like that, and that's how we're going to live. Everything is awesome. Everything's easy. Everything's comfortable. You know what? I got this under control. You don't need to check on me. I'm fine. I got this. Right? And you kind of have this false assurance that you're somehow in control when really it's an illusion. And I would argue that we, that we actually buy into this. Like we laugh at it. Like, ha, oh, you, you know, you, you Corinthians are foolish. No, we do this too. And one of the ways I see it played out is our view of evangelism. You know, because Presbyterians are so good at it. Um, our view of evangelism is this. Like, you know what? I will live this awesome life. And the non-Christians will see how awesome my life is. And they will want to be awesome. And so they'll come ask me how, to, how can they be awesome. And I can talk to them about how to be awesome. And then we'll be awesome together. Like, let's go buy some Legos, you know? Like... Everything is awesome. And I feel like if we just pretend that there's only this upward beat to the rhythm of Christianity, we're ignoring the first beat. And when we, when we just have this upward beat, that we have this veneer outer shell. Maybe it looks nice, but it's really cheap. It's really cheap. Because we never can admit that we struggle. We can never admit, like, I'm a train wreck. And I need help. I need someone to come alongside me and help me. We never want to admit that we have any difficulty or that we have any weakness. And we think to ourselves, I should be able to handle this. Like, why do I, why am I struggling? I should be able to handle this. I can do this. You pretend that you have it under control. You pretend. 
that you got things figured out. Tim Keller has this great quote, and I put it on your um, bulletins on the front. It says, Suffering dispels the illusion that we have the strength and competence to rule our own lives. You see that? Suffering dispels the illusion that we have the strength and competence to rule our own lives. When you only buy into the second beat of the rhythm, then when the first beat comes and hits you, you're left frantic. You're left freaking out. You don't know what to do. You don't know where to go. And you're just a mess. I mean, how appealing would Christianity be if we were actually honest with our friends about our lives? You know what? My family life is really hard. Going home for the holidays is hard. You know, it's really dramatic. And um, I have a hard time loving some difficult family members. I mean, I know none of y'all can relate to this, but I have a hard time. But you know what? Thankfully, I have Jesus. And talk about what strength in Jesus looks like. Like, that's a very different evangelistic tool than everything is awesome. And here's what I'm trying to say. Second Corinthians paints this picture of the Christian life with the downward beat and then the upward beat because of this. It's trying to paint the Christian life as this. People mirror the lives of their leaders who mirror the life of the Savior. Did you get that? People mirror the lives of their leaders who mirror the life of their Savior. And so this two-beat rhythm is the Christian life. This down and then up is the Christian life because it's the rhythm of Jesus. It's the rhythm of Jesus' life, and it's the rhythm of the Christianity Savior. I mean, we are fragile human beings, but we've been given Jesus. And we've been given the glory that God has shown through him. And through the Spirit, God is working to refine us and to grow us. And even if the outer jar breaks, what's inside will never leave you. What's inside can never be broken. What's inside can never be taken from you. Now I want us to look again at um, verses 8 and 9, these but-nots. Because I want us to understand this this idea of life and death because I think this is very important. It says, We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Jesus is not saying, Hey, you're never going to experience any of these things. He's saying, You will. But what Jesus also says is, Look, I have experienced all of these things being afflicted, the first parts being afflicted, being perplexed, being persecuted, being struck down. But I've also experienced the second part of all of, the, all of these but-nots. I have experienced being crushed, being driven to despair, being forsaken, being destroyed. You know why? So that you never will. I've experienced all of this, both sides of the but-nots, so that you will never have to experience the second part. That's how he rescues us. He rescues us from those things so that we can be 
rescued. And, and I want you to understand this. These but not statements, they're not like, all right, you're three touchdowns down and it's the beginning of the fourth quarter and you got this. Like, let's go. Right? It's not some inspirational, you can do it. It's not, hey, you know, you're, you're facing another surgery, but you're strong and you're going to make it. That's not it. You know, I think a lot of times we think Christianity is, I'm in the water and I'm drowning and God throws me a life jacket, which is Jesus, and I'm saved. I don't think that's Christianity. I think Christianity is, you're in the, light, you're in the water and you have a two-ton weight chained to you and you're going down. And there's no way to save yourself and there's no way to endure. There's no way you can keep going. There's no way that you can survive. And Jesus dives down after you and takes off the weight and straps it around himself and lets you go. That's how you can say, when I am weak, I am strong because I have Jesus. And here's what I want you to understand, like your takeaway to be. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead, that brought him back to life, and ascended him up to the right hand of God, is the same power at work in you. It's the same power given you in Jesus to endure. So that you can endure the downward beat. So that you can endure weakness. So that you can endure suffering. So that you can even endure death. And not lose heart. And not lose heart. Even if the jars break, the contents never will. So you do not have to lose heart. And because we have this treasure of God's glory in Jesus, we have this surpassing power of the upbeat. Okay? This upbeat that has life and has endurance and has power and assurance of resurrection. Not because you're awesome, but because you have Jesus. So we have hope of life now and eternal. So we have this promise of power, assurance of resurrection and glory. Because Jesus has already done it himself. And if we're a people who follow their leaders, who follow the Messiah, then what's true of him will be true of us. And then we know that he was resurrected and that he he stands in glory at the Father's right hand. And so that shows us that he has already done this himself and we will follow. And one day, someday, when he comes back, the jars of clay are going to be made into jars of gold. The jars of clay will be made into jars of gold and they'll be filled up to the very top as much as they can with Jesus. Filled up with their Savior. So they don't want anything, so they're not crying, so they're not hurting anymore. You see, our Savior lived this two-beat rhythm, down and up, down and up. And Paul shows that in his own life, and he's teaching us here in 2 Corinthians to mirror that rhythm of down and up, down and up. This two-beat of the Christian life. 
And so we're mirroring that in our lives as well. Down and up. Down and up. And that's the rhythm of Christianity. Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, it's very easy, easy for us, especially in our culture, to think that everything is easy and comfortable and that we can have control. To think, I've got this, I've got life figured out. And you know that that's just an illusion. It's easy for us to think, I'm overwhelmed. I, I'm never going to be happy. I'm never going to be able to get through this. I'm never going to ever have any sort of hope again. And to be so upset that we lose heart. God, remind us of Jesus again. Remind us of Jesus so that we don't fall into despair and feel like our tears and pain will never go away. Give us hope. Give us Jesus. I pray that your spirit will be with us as we go out this week, that we would be reminded of this two rhythm beat of the up and the down. That we'd be reminded that we can endure, that we can have life through Jesus. And we pray it in his name. Amen.